on this episode of AV Week, where AI belongs in the AV industry. Avixa says employment and sales are up, and how the AV industry can attract and keep AV pros. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 519, recorded Friday, July 30th, 2021. AI isn't real. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Vadio, a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, Pro AV solutions, and UCC integration systems. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio-visual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, and we have a couple doozies. First and foremost, uh, from Parts Unknown, Meg Ciarini-Smith. Welcome, ma'am. Hi. Thanks for having me. Now uh, now from Sony, uh, Chrissy Sarah. Welcome, ma'am. Howdy. Good to be here. Uh, Chrissy is actually just due north of me uh, in a little place called Woodstock, uh, Illinois. Um, so she's like due north. Illinois is a long state. It'll take like four hours to get there. Uh, from uh, the great state of Kentucky, also with uh, Snap One. And she's an author of a fantastic book, Cat Wheeler. Welcome, ma'am. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. First time, long time. Yeah, absolutely. And she's been on with Matt before, but uh, her and I got a, you, you need to take, check out her, uh, the interview we did uh, about her book. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, and last but not least, uh, the only reason we bring Brock in is because we can't see him otherwise because we're not allowed in Canada. Brock McGinnis from Nationwide. Welcome, sir. Always a pleasure, Tim. Really glad to see you. Uh, good to see you, bud. Good to see you. We'll, we'll chat some more about Interesting rumblings this week. I, I've, I, I told somebody earlier that if you would have asked me two weeks ago if CD was going to happen, if NAB was going to happen, if, if you know, um, Infocom was going to happen, 100% absolutely lay down all kinds of money. There had been some rumblings this week with this whole freaking Delta variant and everything that, eh, NAB's making some rumblings that's, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll find out. So we'll see. Um, first story. Comes to us from our friend um, at SCN and AV Network. Avixa's sales and employment index numbers for June were released this week. Both numbers were up. The employment index rose from 60.4 to 62.8 month to month. Uh, sales went from 63.7 up to 69.6, so basically 70. At the same time, the U.S. economy showed an increase of 850,000 employ uh, in 850,000 uh, jobs in June. Now, really quickly, what these numbers mean, the 69 and the and the 62, this index is calculated by a company that, that the VIXA hires. Um, it is based on industry surveys, right? So they send out 1,000, they send out 2,000 surveys. A 50 on this survey is straight across the board even. That means no change at all. Anything lower than 50, that means a negative change. In other words, they saw a decline in sales or uh, in employment, anything above 50 is an increase, is a, is a positive change. So in in this instance, you've got, um, you know, 62.8 above, so so 12.8 above uh, the, the the median or or zero here uh, for employment, and almost 20 more uh, than than zero uh, for sales, which is certainly a a, a positive thing. Brock, we're going to start with you on this. What what areas do you see? You know, both. You know, you you obviously you're in Canada, but you also have 
a number of folks and, and, and uh, know a lot of people here in the States. Where do you see uh, the fastest growing or where do you see the, the, the kind of the slowest growing? I think this is just people getting back to work. Um, okay. You know, the uh, uh, they're taking a survey at the time of year that is traditionally the very, very busiest for the AV world, uh, the integration world. So there's a ton of education work going on. Um, and, uh, and I have to think that uh, some of these numbers reflect uh, a strong uptick in uh, corporate premises businesses as uh, large employers start either trickling back to work or contemplating uh, going back to work and reconfiguring their spaces for, um, uh, you know, for the hybrid workforce of the future. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's also just, uh, I think, what all of us are seeing every day. Um, it's great to be vaccinated. It's great to be out circulating. It's great to be going places. I got on an airplane last week for the first time in 18 months. Um, and, uh, and people are out spending money. They're spending money in restaurants and retail stores and and uh, on your side of the border uh, entertainment venues not quite here yet um, and all those things require uh, you know the services uh, equipment of the audiovisual industry yeah absolutely may I ask the same kind of question to you what, what what areas do you see growing here I don't know if I would call it growth at this point it's more like um, to me this is the definition of the gig economy um, and we're in an ebb and flow. Um, so is it fair to call it growth if, it, mm. if I know it's going to just contract again at some point and flex when it needs to? So, I mean, um, to me, it's, it, it's, you know, yeah, our area is flexing up right now. Yeah, I think, I think there's a fair statement to say that they're flexing up. Um, whether or not I would determine that as growth, I think that's, um, I think that's damn near impossible to, to get away with right now. Um, our numbers strong. Yeah. But like, it's to me, growth, growth represents something permanent, right? Like once you grow, um, you're, yeah. you've hit your growth spurt. That's your new baseline. I don't think new baselines have been determined this year. So I don't think it's fair to say that I, that I've seen growth. I've seen an uptick and that's hopeful, but, um, in one particular area over another, I really haven't, I haven't seen one go, you know, more, more than another across any industry. Do you think that flex, as you call it, is because of what Brock said? It, it, it's this time of year? Or do you think it is this, that folks are getting back, they're trying to get back into the office? And again, as I said at the top of the, of the show here, yes, there's some mm -hmm. concerns about the Delta variant. There are a number of Silicon Valley companies, a number of, of, of companies, period that had already made plans for a return to work and now they're backing off of some of those because of, of the Delta. Do you think that's, that plays into that flex there? Um, I mean, yeah, right now we're at the mercy of the pandemic. The pandemic's not over. Um, people are still dying. Yeah. So um, it's absolutely, I don't think it has to do with whether or not this was going to be, you know, traditionally in our view. Yeah, this is busy season. Um, but uh, maybe it was everyone's real desire and wish. Uh, to be back to normal by now, right? Um, and maybe it was that function right. of trying to reach that. It's like, oh God, we're so close to normalcy. We're almost there. Let's like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just go be normal. And then reality stepped in, and of course, reality is a great cure for your dreams. So um, you know, I think it's we want 
and wish so much to go back to normal. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that, you know, um, it, it, the timing it is, it just fed the hope more. Like, as speaking as someone who was so looking forward to possibly going to NAB, um, you know, and it's heartbreaking. But um, I think that that uptick uh, would have happened regardless. Um, I think it's at the mercy of the pandemic right now. I, I, whether or not that's actually AV industry reacting or hoping, I think it all ends up being these, you know, the pandemic numbers tend to drive our economy no matter what right now. Yeah. Chrissy and, and, and Kat, I want to talk to you guys for a second from the from the uh, the employment side, not your individual company's employment, but you guys are also talking directly to, to clients and, and integrators. Chrissy, from your standpoint, what what are some of the challenges that, that they're having when it comes to bringing po- not just bringing folks back to work, but but filling positions that are opening up because some of these these integrators are showing, you know, rise in, in sales? Sure. So there's quite a few perspectives to look at in that um, that entire topic. For one, we have, you know, distributors, resellers that are growing and they are bringing people on board. They're usually bringing people on board immediately remote. Going to office isn't even a thing right now um, in some of the conversations that I've been hearing. But also, um, what's happening with the people that have to go on site to install the, ge- the gear? Where, what are those jobs looking like? And I'm seeing, definitely seeing, um, I mean, I probably get somebody sending me a link to, hey, do you know anybody in this type of field? Uh, we're looking for this office, we're looking for national, we're looking for this. So there is motion. People are trying to, to you know, build their team, but the, but the reality is everybody's still going to be remote. Now, how they're going to get, the other perspective is how they're going to get from their home office to their site. Where, how's that going to change things? Um, the other thing that's interesting is I'm still trying to process this myself, and that is when I drive down the street here, you know, I see all the restaurants, all the local businesses have employment signs out for people. They need to hire people so they can get everything moving again. And what does that look like in all of our entities of our industry, and especially my customers and their clients that they're working with? Um, you know, I've heard some people getting um, a, an unusual sign-on bonus just so that they can get feet in the door so that they can get products installed. I've heard of uh, job fairs, I've heard of coding camps, like getting people um, the amount of experience, or at least the introduction to the experience that they need for the position, uh, just to get somebody um, hired. So there are, there is definitely a rise in uh, employment in my circles, and I'm hoping that that continues for the sake of our industry, but also I'm very curious to hear from you guys what your thoughts are on, do we have an industry that we're closely mirrored to that we could look in to their perspective also? I'm trying to think of like another industry, like maybe healthcare or um, something that comes to mind recently is the floral industry. I know there, that's been a mess since this whole uh, pandemic as well. So like, do you guys know about an industry that we closely mirror that we could look into? The IT industry. Sure. That makes sense. I want to, uh, yeah, if I don't start an argument on that one, but 
IT would be one of the closest or um, any kind of, uh, I would say utilities are actually very similar to the AV industry. Well, in construction, I mean, I've had several integrators, you know, especially on the commercial side, right? Uh, explain that we we follow along with with the construction industry an awful lot, right? And I'm just not talk, just talking about bid work in general, but there there's a lot of folks that that would say that we also follow along with with the construction industry as well. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to see what their rates are going right now as far as employment um, hikes and how they're managing all that as well. It's just an interesting thought I had. No. Kat, I'll, bring, I'll, I'll let you end, end on this one. And this is kind of a, a short apocryphal story and just going to get your two cents on this. I was talking to a gentleman this, this week, and it's a friend of a friend of a friend. So I'll just start with saying this gentleman, he owns a, a, a welding company here uh, locally in St. Louis, having a devil of a time keeping people uh, employed. Small, small firm has, has had a, a larger kind of a national firm come in and is, is just straight up poaching his employees not, you know, with new cars, not with anything else, but paying them double what he's been paying them wow. for years. Now, these gentlemen are not, are not you know, they, these welders are not, you know, um, making below minimum wage. Some of them are making $30, $40 an hour. And he stood up coming in saying, we're going to double you. And, and they're, they're coming to him saying, look, we like you. We've been with you for years, but there's a person over here. They're doubling our salary, right? That's a hard conversation to have, especially after last year. So, so Kat, how do we, you know, as, as an industry say, look, you know, um, this is that we've already had an issue, you know, keeping, you know, keeping people in the industry. And now we've got folks, you know, you know, going different ways for, for various things. How do you have that conversation and, and continue to, to, you know, to, to build your employment base? I mean, I have no idea. That's a scary that's a scary thing to hear. I mean, because is that sustainable? You know, could you pay somebody double if you can do it now? Can you do it two years from now or three years from now if you make that switch and take that job? I don't know. I mean, that's crazy to me. So Brock shaking his head no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the first thing I would think. I would think, you know, if I was an employee and had that offer to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'd take it. But this is probably a good thing for a year, you know, and then I'd have to probably try to find something else because it couldn't. It, I just don't see a way that could be that would be sustainable um, because I look at the other challenges that we're facing, too, because of the pandemic. And that's product shortages or, or price hikes in the products that we're getting, the availability of chips, the cost of those things. So, I mean, labor is one thing and it's a huge thing, but also materials is the other part of it and what it costs to run a business these days. So, so the sustainability of that freaks me out. So, so what I'm hearing is we should become welders. I think we should. <laughs> At least in St. Louis. I'll, I'll give you the guy's that, number. I'm already, yeah. I'm, I'm already, ma- I'm already married to one. Uh, hey, hey. I see a head. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the I was with you, Kat, because that is a scary. And that is, was the other thing is, is, is it is that sustainable? Right. I have no idea. Um, so we've not really, we've not. certainly seen some larger players in our industry uh, uh, go to smaller companies and poach talent, uh, poach programmers, poach engineers, po- poach project managers. And um, and then the pandemic came and all those good people are back on the street. Um, and we're looking for work and they're looking for work at the poached rates rather than their pre-poached rates. Um, and when somebody goes from, you know, uh, let's pick a number $80,000 to $105,000 or $110,000, they don't want to go back to an $80,000 job. Um, but one of the things the pandemic has definitely taken off the table are the quantity of those and again, whatever the number is, $110,000 jobs. Um, 
real hard to go uh, to go back to. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, Catherine said something very interesting to me, which said, like, um, you know, that's good for one or two years. In this day and age, uh, that's one or two years of steady income and pay versus, like, when I was on the bounce, it's like, that's months. I got a plan for months. But if I know I've got that for one or two years, um, this and, and to me, this is what we're seeing the impact of um, the uh, you know, back back in my great grandfather's time, you stuck with a company for thirty plus years because they took care of you, because they gave you pension, they saw you all the way through. Um, you know, and I think uh, we have definitely fallen away from that, at, at least in the states. Um, you know, uh, you know, if you look at if you look at the way jobs have shifted, um, so many people w- when you had a resume that had more than five jobs in five years, you were like, oh, God, this person's not going to stick around. But um, is that necessarily the culture that we have anymore? I mean, the gig economy is reshaping these conversations. So is sustainability more of a question for that independent small business owner versus the individuals working there? And, And how do we balance those personal human values with monetary? I think you touch on a really interesting point high level philosophically about where we're at when we consider what it, what do we want to do for work in this country anymore? See, I think that's so interesting. I think, I think retaining talent is a huge issue with, you know, companies big and small these days and how you do that and what value you place on that. So I think that's a, that's a really interesting conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, this will be our final story because uh, it comes to us from our website. Uh, Navori Labs announced two awards for their AI-driven technology software, Aquaji, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, A-Q-U-A-J-I. Uh, it's a marketing analytics software for digital signage. Fantastic, actually. It looks at uh, who's coming by and who's consuming the, re- the, the signage. has a lot of really great um, uh, reporting uh, parts of that, also for out-of-home uh, advertising. Chrissy, we'll start with you on this. Where do we see the future of AI uh, inside AV? Well, I really love this story. Uh, it hits home in a lot of ways um, for the sake of, you know, I, I was leery when Google Maps came out, <laughs> you know, and so I've never really been a fan of. That was a uh, long time ago, though. Well, then I've been leery for that long. <laughs> But, you know, our society has created this need for uh, this type of analytics, and it's going to continue to get more popular. It's going to continue to find its way into all of the little nuances of our life. Um, I liked one of the questions that you posed for us, which was, do we need to be frightened by it? Um, and I have, I have a, a lot, you know, quite a few thoughts on it. For one, I'm really excited that Navari's put... Um, this much effort into this because we need to be on the map as far as our industry we need to be on the map with AI we need to be able to um, connect with the consumer-based products that are coming out and we need to be able to put that in our pro AV spaces and everybody's communicating and collaborating at the same time Um, but the the I I don't know if it's fear I was trying to search for the word earlier today like is it fear is it vulnerability is it a a violating feeling where you know everything that is happening that you're a part of is being tracked or monitored or uh, analyzed in some kind of analytic 
And my thought is to just not necessarily be afraid of it, but to know that it's going to be continuing and then also to be responsibly aware of our presence in our day-to-day, -day, not just as part of the industry that is actually producing these types of products, but also as a consumer of our own products. I can't remember who I was talking to, but it was a, a quote that I pulled out of the, the conversation that was, you know, we kind of have this innate, at least I do, I don't know if it's my generation or what it is, but this kind of innate, not fear, but kind of anger, like, hey, like, get out of my email, like, stop tracking me, go away. Like, I don't want to be talking about going to Scotland and then all of my all of my ads on my Facebook is now going to Scotland. Like, go away. That was a bonfire conversation, and I was probably, you know, three whiskeys in. So, like, I don't need to see that on my Facebook the next morning. Um, but, you know, for me, it's caused me to be aware, and I enjoy the engagement that it, it, that it encourages. But I also want to point out, you know, we have a responsibility to know where our, our information is coming from and where it's going and what they're doing with it. Because even if we don't feel like we have any value or purpose in this world, we eat, we breathe, and we sleep. And those assets are marketable, and that's what we're going to be uh, kind of used as. So I think we need to be aware of, of where this technology is going for our own sake and our own sanity so that we can keep being a part of the conversation in an, in an intellectual aspect. All right, Kat, this is where I want to bring you in. Uh, I mentioned at the top that the Kat is also an author in, in addition to working for, for Snap One. The, the title of her book, it's a fictional book, um, is called There Is No Cloud. Uh, it's a murder mystery and it involves AI. <laughs> so from your perspective, um, Chrissy brings up, should we be, should we be scared? You know, um, where where do you come down, both from the fictional side and, and, and what you wrote, but also, for, seriously, I mean, Kat's been a part of, of smart home stuff for a long time. You know, where do you see AI? Um, okay, this is the moment where you regret having me on the show, because this is, AI is my biggest so this is, No, too. this is where I go get a cup of coffee and a on a donut and let just the rest of you finish this. This is, I'm good. Um, AI is my biggest pet peeve because, I mean, I think we all know that real artificial intelligence doesn't exist. Uh, what we do now is a combination of machine learning and engineering. And I think as a people, if we gave a little more credit to the engineers and the people, like computers don't do anything we don't tell them to do. There's absolutely nothing they do that we don't instruct them to do. So AI isn't real. It's a, it's a marketing word and I've used it and people use it and it's great or whatever. Uh, but I think if we gave a little more credit to the human beings that create this data-driven um, code, we would be in a different place as an industry, uh, make the engineers rock stars, make the coders rock stars, because they are. What they do is pretty incredible. Um, and from a data standpoint, yes, we give it all away. We all do. Um, does it scare me? I mean, it probably should. It doesn't. All right. Meg, we'll bring you in on. No, you're just, you're not going to comment at all. Oh, uh, well, I, uh, I don't think it's scary. I think it's very exciting. I think there's uh, inherent risk in AI. Um, but this is also, once again, high-level, very philosophical stuff. But, I mean, I always look at Isaac Asimov's work um, from previous years and iRobot and um, all of these elements. And, and I also beg the question, number one, what is AI actually solving for us as humanity? Uh, number two... Um, you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, it'll take away jobs, right? Like, that's a huge concern, right? What is AI doing if 
not something functionally the human brain can already do. It can just possibly do it faster, right? Um, so maybe that, and once again, it's like, you know, we now have a record number of human beings on this planet, and yet we are trying to eliminate the need to use humans in positions um, due to many, many reasons, mostly efficiency, right? Um, so I think it's a real, I, I think when we get into a conversation about whether or not we should be scared of it as a technology, no, I don't think so, because I think there's, you know, a lot of work that um, will go much, much quicker, um, especially when we talk analytics. But, um, but I think it's much more of a high level philosophical conversation of like, number one, if we are afraid of it, why are we afraid of it? We're, we're inventing it. Why are we afraid of our own creation? And then we oh, get that's into a whole very deep, deeper conversation. Deep conversation. How much time do we have, Tim? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to me, that's the question. It's like if you want to talk about it from a technological perspective and what it's capable of, that's one thing. But, you know, whether or not to be afraid of technology, that is a that is a deep psychological question that we as humans and it's just like are we afraid of nature i'm more i'm more afraid of the tornado that i don't really understand the weather patterns for rather than the technology that i you know that someone's going to have so source code for i don't know i trust really it's more than i trust people because like, interesting too all right you know I, I think technology is an extension of human you know desire human need human want and I don't trust that in the hands of people. Um, so I would, I would, I, I don't want to say I would rather be in a tornado, but you know, tornadoes are very uh, final and awful, and we know that. Whereas we know we we can be presented that technology is going to be helpful for us and it's going to help solve us this problem and be more convenient for us with this. But then, um, you know, we don't know what the risks. We don't know what it's going to do to us. And for somebody who is a, you know, extra super duper planner, I mean, you should see all my sticky notes, but um, I, it's hard for me to, to accept um, Google Maps, for example. Like, I was a rock star map reader when I was a kid. I was the kid in the road trip that was like, you know, we're going to turn here and go left. And, and now I have no, like, forget, I don't even know where east and west is. Like, <laughs> that is, I don't think that's a, I don't think it's a positive thing. <laughs> Well, that that comes that comes back to my my original thing is always asking what problem does this solve? Right. What yeah. problem are we trying to solve with this? And then it really becomes the question: Is that really a problem? You know, like is it? You know, what what is this trying to do that we can't already do ourselves? And then where where is the issue? Is it efficiency? Right. I don't think it's I don't think it's efficiency, Meg. I think it's um, it's this notion that uh, people have limitations and they make mistakes, and machines, uh, you know, uh, properly coded, don't make mistakes. They keep doing the same thing for the same reason uh, all the time. And uh, you know, a friend of ours that uh, works for a very large bank, um, she's. Uh, She's an MBA and an aeronautical engineer, uh, but what she's doing uh, for this very large bank <clears throat> is uh, is bringing uh, machine learning, um, and she refuses to call it artificial intelligence, um, into their back office administration processes. 
And uh, yes, it's over time, it's going to save the bank a ton of money and a ton of space on people. But she said the savings on errors and on speed of transaction um, are far greater uh, than what they'll ever, uh, ever accomplish. And there are some things that machines just do better than people do. Um, not necessarily uh, uh, making complex decisions. So, you know, Tim, your, your story was about uh, something touting its artificial intelligence capability. Uh, I th I'm with Kat, I think that's bunk. It's data collection and, an and analysis. Um, there's no artificial intelligence happening. A, a, a shopper walks by, nothing changes in the environment that the shopper is in as a result of that software collecting that data at that moment. And the next time the shopper comes, uh, it might be smart enough to, uh, to be able to recognize it's the same shopper but will it pick out the differences? Will it pick out that the clothing is different because the season is different? The, right? and, and, um, and then what do they do with the data? Uh, there's a pant load of data being collected on all of us every day. Um, and, you know, Cat, uh, one of the, the best parts of the plot in your book um, was ignoring the fact that all of those little home assistance boxes that you know, uh, sit there are already transmitting a whole bunch of data, um, and and we're thinking that they're not. But but what have we got to hide? So, it's... well, I think that's that's truly the question, though, isn't it? Is are we scared of the technology, or are we scared of the data, and who owns that data, and what they're going to do with it? And that I think is the bigger, and that's the real question, because we're not right. scared of the technology. And some of our you know large tech companies are. Are very much moving in the right direction um, by uh, by enforcing uh, privacy provisions on uh, on the apps that operate on it. So it, it's uh, it's and, good. And some and some of them are not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just want to point that out there. It's a good place to stop. Thank you all so much, Meg Ciarini Smith, ma'am. Thank you. You're awesome. Um, how do people get in touch with you? I. Usually just the, uh, the Twitters uh, is the best place for me um, at Machina Meg on the Twitter space. All right, very good. Mr. McGinnis, thank you, sir, as always. Uh, a pleasure to be here, and um, it's awesome to be the dumbest guy in the room. It really is. No, no, uh, that, that's my that's my. No, no, not today. You can be the second dumbest. No, no, no but... not today. I get to be the dumbest guy in the room. It's... Uh, uh, I, I, uh, I very much enjoyed the panel and listening to the different perspectives. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brock McGinnis, uh, and, uh, best place to get a hold of me. All right. Chrissy, Sarah, thank you, ma'am. Uh, how do people connect with you or Stoney? Uh, pigeons. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, horses, <laughs> horses actually would be more, more, more appropriate. After our conversation we just had. No. <laughs> Um, I am at AVT2101 um, on Twitter. And then if you want to find me at Sony, I'm chrissy.sarah at sony.com. All right, very good. And Kat, thank you so much. Uh, how do people connect with you with Snap One, and where do they get uh, There Is No Cloud? Um, if they want to connect with me, they can go to my website. It's Kat with K, uh, K-A-T-Wheeler.com. Uh, they can buy There Is No Cloud. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places you buy books. And they can look for the sequel, Cloud Judgment, which is coming out this fall. Cool. 
Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, but at this point in uh, the season, what is happening? Oh, the Bears are trying to play. That's what's happening. No idea. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay, it's just it whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, go by the website if you would, please. Avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, starting by the time this post, uh, we'll be promoting and, and previewing CD Expo 2021. Uh, we're heading to Indianapolis. Uh, September 1st through the 3rd. Uh, if you're coming, cool, awesome, groovy. Uh, I'm, we're doing a party with Neto uh, and with David Danto on Wednesday um, from 4 until 5 uh, in the Innovation Center. Also, uh, all sorts of things happening. Uh, also, check out Matt Scott's uh, program, Resi Week. Uh, looks at the residential side and all of others. Um, we will be announcing something really cool next week uh, when it comes to Infocom. And some stuff we're doing uh, for the uh, the uh, technology managers and the IT managers uh, there. So all that and more at avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.